Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You know, I like a good mystery story. I like a good mystery movie. I mean, how about you? Have you ever noticed that when you look at the Christmas story, that there really is some mystery to it? I mean, the story of the wise men in the Bible is a story that really is just clouded in mystery. The story of the Magi presents some questions we just cannot fully answer. Like, where did the wise men come from exactly? Well, we're not entirely sure. It's a bit of a mystery. We know they came from the east, but scholars think most likely they came from Persia. Or how many wise men were there? Well, we're not entirely sure. It's a bit of a mystery. All the nativity sets that we have at home, in your home, in everybody's home, shows three. And even our songs say, we three kings. But most scholars believe there could have been a large entourage, 50 to 150. But it's still a bit of a mystery. And how did the wise men know to follow the star? Well, we're not entirely sure. It's a bit of a mystery. But we think that the Magi studied the Old Testament. They studied specifically guys like Daniel and Balaam. That would have been giving them, obviously, a starting point. See, we can easily think that the birth of Jesus is as simple and just a straightforward story, including some wise men in a silhouette on camels just going through the desert with three gifts. But is it that simple and straightforward? I mean, how mysterious it is that these wise men come in from the east, they make their way to Bethlehem a few years after the baby is born, and then all of a sudden, they're just gone. Mysteriously, as strange as they came, as they left. But historical tradition pictures the wise men as in, as we said, maybe just three of them. Because of the three gifts, right? The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. But have you ever stopped to consider that these wise men had to be very wealthy to go on this expedition? That they had to be well-educated. Would they have traveled hundreds, some believe over 600 miles from Persia or Babylon? We're not sure. Again, bit of a mystery. Do you know they would have to have those who knew how to hunt? That there would have to be large sums of money to buy supplies while en route? Do you know that they may have actually stopped to pick up some more magi who wanted to be part of the expedition, who also knew about these scriptures and had studied stars like they did? 
You know, there had to be somebody to take care of those who got injured and hurt and understood medicine and those who understood languages and those who knew how to prepare food and prepare base camp. Do you begin to start putting together the picture that it's a little bit more than just three guys with three presents on three camels? And by the way, they most likely rode on horses or stallions and not camels. But again, it's a bit of a mystery. How do we know it was probably horses? Well, because wise men or magi, they would always leave in this kind of... um, of an expedition, and they would have done so on horses, not on camels. It was the tradition, as, we, as people know it, as scholars know it, to that time. His name's Chuck Missler. He passed away recently. I've met him. He's a great scholar and just an incredible mind. Um, and he gave us some great research on ancient magi as well. And he tells us that the ancient magi were a hereditary priesthood of the Medes, known as the Kurds today, meaning Grandpa took under his, under his arm his son, who in turn took under his arm his son, he took under his arm his son, and would teach him the ways of the magi. By the way, the word magi is where we get two words that we use in the English language. One is magic, and the other is magistrate. Well, the Magi had a multi, Chuck Missler says, had a multifaceted role, whereby civil and political counsel was invested in the religious authority of Scripture. That the Magi became the supreme priestly caste of the Persian Empire. One of the titles given to Daniel, remember he's one of the captives um, with his other friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now Daniel from Daniel in the lion's den, he also had a title, and that title would have been Rab Mag, which means the chief of the Magi. The Magi who entered Jerusalem to find Jesus, the baby king of jerusalem were most definitely well many scholars believe a group of persians the parthian kingmakers as they referred to them in later days in the reign of herod king herod herod's reaction would have been very understandable because there was a tension between the Persians or the Parthians and, as well as the Romans, as well as the Jews. So he's like going, oh no, if they're talking about a king of the Hebrews or the king of the Jews, what does this mean? Is this, is this a threat to me? Are we going to be under, because we're already in conflict and the location of where I'm at is on the outer edge of the Roman Empire, I may not have backup. This is a serious situation if I'm King Herod. And by the way, it didn't help if you're like Herod, who's paranoid. I mean, that guy literally killed sons and, and wives because he was threatened or angry by him. Very strange character. Well, we studied last week about the shepherds. And they represent, well, the lonely, the poor, and the weak. That's the shepherds. But now as we look at the wise men, we're looking at the powerful and the strong and the rich. 
And yet Jesus Christ is the Savior to all who will seek Him and receive Him and worship Him. We know that the the shepherds came and they worshiped Him there in the barn. And now we'll find out today, a few years later, they go to a house, these, these magi, these wise men, and they find Jesus the first thing they do, like the shepherds, they worship Him. The star. Wow, the star of Bethlehem, the star of Christ. Did you know that the Magi only admitted to seeing the star twice? Once in the east and once at Bethlehem. The star's disappearance is what motivated them to go to Jerusalem because they knew that a Jewish newborn king would be born. So why not go to the capital and there talk to the king to find out, hey, where's this newborn king? And who better know it than King Herod, right? No, wrong. And obviously Herod would have been threatened by that. And so that's why he gave the order to take out all the babies a few years old and under after the wise men never came back to give him the report. The star was probably a constellation at Bethlehem of Leo. Now think about that. Of Leo crushing the serpent's head. Doesn't that remind you of a scripture? His name is Dr. Henry Morris, and he wrote a book called When They Saw the Star. And he goes on to postulate as as that they have others of the original signs of the Zodiac painted the picture of the gospel. The virgin, Virgo, would give birth to the Messiah, which was pictured by Leo the Lion. Remember the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who would crush the serpent's head. And that's the promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Let me read it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. She, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Meaning that he's going to stomp you so hard with such great force, with such magnitude, that it's literally going to bruise his heel for stomping on you. Wow. I think Satan would have got the message. His name's Balaam. Balaam, in the book of Numbers, well, he's the guy where we hear the story of Balaam's donkey, where the donkey speaks to the prophet Balaam. Balaam's not only a prophet, but he's also known as a magi. And he prophesied about this star in Bethlehem. It says in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Now, by the way, the story of Balak and Balaam starts a few chapters early. There's a whole situation about Balaam's donkey. That happens in about chapters 22. And after the third time of telling 
Balak, that God is not going to bless you. He's going to bless the Jews. He finally gives this word. Verse 17. I see him. He's prophesying. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. Remember, we get the 12 tribes of of Jacob from Jacob's 12 sons. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Scepter meaning a king shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab. Crush the forehead, crush the head. Doesn't that remind you of Genesis chapter 3? And break down all the sons of Seth. Since generations before, the Magi may have been influenced by the teachings of Daniel and by the prophecy of Balaam. They recognized that the Messiah would be the king of the Jews. But they did not know exactly where in Israel this baby would be born. Now, tradition gives us the names of the wise men as Casper and Melchior and and Baltazar and tells us where they came from and what they did. But folklore has its way that it has lived to be a very old story. Folklore has actually told us that when these guys died, that Thomas came near, before they died, that Thomas came over to preach to them, and they actually gave their lives to the Lord quickly and easily because of the story of these wise men. And the Magi just received it all. And tradition tells us that when these wise men died, that their bodies were preserved in Constantinople and But centuries later, they got the bones and the bodies and they transferred them to Germany, to Cologne, Germany. Apparently, you can go there and spend a few dollars and be able to see the bones. Over the years, a lot of stories have arisen about the wise men. But most of them are folklore. So let's switch our focus to what we can definitely learn from the wise men. Number one, in your notes, in your handout, wise men follow wherever God leads them. The first thing we learn about the wise men is they were willing to step out in faith and follow wherever the Scriptures, wherever God was leading them. The Bible tells us that the wise men came from the east. In centuries past, the major empires of the east Well, they would have been Babylon or they would have been Persia. And history tells us that both these empires specialized in studying the stars. Scholars suggest that the wise men of the East, that they would have had ample opportunity to know the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies that were being said by Daniel and by Balaam, even Isaiah. What is important to know and to realize is that the wise men were willing to go and follow what the Scriptures had prophesied. To follow wherever that special star would lead them. 
And God was, has always been faithful to lead those who are willing to follow. Centuries before, God had led the children of Israel through the wilderness, providing a pillar of light, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And He provided food when they were hungry and drink when they were thirsty and clothes that just wouldn't wear out. And now He had provided a star to lead these wise men to a place where the Christ child would be. Can you imagine how some of their neighbors might have understood what was going on? Oh, uh, so you guys are going on a journey. Yes, we are. Where are you guys all going? Uh, we don't know. Well, how long are you all going to be gone for? Uh, we don't know. What are you guys going to do when you all get there? Wherever it is. Uh, we're going to worship a baby king. A what? A king? A king. Well, that's what we think. Why are you all going? We're all, we're all going because we have read the prophecies. And we have seen the star. And we have this strange stirring inside of ourselves. That we must go and follow this star. And see if we can't see this king that has been born. I can imagine the neighbors just shook their heads and said, and we call you the wise guys. <laughs> How foolish you guys are to take off on a journey where you don't know where you're going and you don't know how long it's going to take you and you're not quite sure what you're going to find when you find it. You ever studied the story of Noah and the ark? Can you imagine what the neighbors said to him? How he took a century, over a century, to build a big boat? Don't you think they called him crazy? You see, when you begin to follow Christ, people are going to say things about you. Because you step out in faith, and they're going to try to discourage you. And they're going to try to just demoralize you. But when you're a person of faith, just smile, just bless them. And stay on the path and just follow the star. Some of you know the story of Jim Elliott and his fellow four missionaries who were killed by a tribe of Ayuka Indians in Brazil. These young men were talented and they were gifted men and their lives were cut short so tragically. Some called what they were doing or trying to do just a complete waste of energy and time. But was it really? As the news of the martyrdom of Jim Elliott and these young men literally spread throughout the world, it such ignited an inspiration to young people that hundreds of young people gave their hearts to the Lord and said, I'm going in the mission field. 
just like Jim Elliott and just like his friends, to share the gospel. Wow. You know the widows of those young men? They continue the mission. And literally, the Yukas are now a Christian tribe who's going throughout the Amazon, reaching out to the other tribes, sharing the story and the gospel of Jesus. Not long before his death, Jim Elliott wrote these words, and I quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We cannot keep our lives, folks. It is ours, but for a very brief moment. See, when you give up what you cannot keep to gain what you can never lose, you're never a fool. <laughs> well, let's go to number two on your handout. They were wiser than the people of the world. Matthew tells us of the wise men that they came to the city of Jerusalem. I guess that seemed the most logical place to find out about the newborn king. After all, the Jewish palace where King Herod, by the way, he was appointed. He actually wasn't even Jewish, even though he was called the king of the Jews. But he was appointed by the Romans. And if anybody should know about the birth of a new king, it would be the king of the Jews. But he had no idea. So King Herod did a wise thing and went to the priests and said, hey, what do you know? Well, of course, the priests say, well, we know what the scriptures say. They say that the Messiah will be born at Bethlehem, about six miles away from us. And so they told the wise men and the wise men went to Bethlehem. It's interesting because that's when the star showed up again. Now, tradition says that they looked into the well, and as they looked into the well, they saw the reflection of the star in the water in the well. And they say it's very possible that that's how they knew that the star was there. Again, it's a mystery. Yet, they knew the prophecy the priests, these religious leaders. And they knew the scriptures, and here comes the magi, who they know are religious individuals themselves, they're scholarly themselves, and they've traveled 600 miles to get there, and yet not one of these rabbis bothers to go to Bethlehem to check it out. Isn't that strange? Wow. The most amazing thing was that when Herod finally had the answer, his decision wasn't to worship the king, Jesus. It was to try to have him executed, to kill him. How incredible. You see, in the eyes of the world, Herod might have been a great king, yet in trying to kill baby Jesus to stop the plan of God, he was a fool. And he revealed once again how paranoid he was. The world today, it has a lot of wise men or wise people according 
to the things of the world. They have education. They have big plaques and they have these big certificates. I went to this institution and I have this knowledge and I have that knowledge. And look at the things at the end of my name. It says Ph.D. And we look at them and we think, wow, the degrees and the incredible knowledge and wealth they have. But the Bible still says that a man is a fool if they think that there is no God. Your education doesn't protect you from that. It's all about your heart. Who do you say Jesus is? Let's look at three. They worshiped and gave gifts to Jesus, but they worshiped first. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Yet before any of these gifts were given, these men fell down on their knees before Jesus and worshipped him. A little two, three, or four-year-old. And that's the message throughout Scripture, how God is looking for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. God doesn't care how large your gift is. He cares about the posture of your heart, about bowing down and literally worshiping the King. That's why the emphasis on the wise men was their worship and not just the three gifts. But let's look at that as well. Notice that they came to a house in Bethlehem. Remember, Jesus was born in a barn because there wasn't enough room there at the entering, and so they had to go to the stable. And the nativity scene showed not only the shepherds, but also the wise men. But the wise men, according to Scripture, came to a house and they don't refer to jesus as a baby but as a young child jesus is anywhere between two to four years old joseph and mary were still in bethlehem why i don't know maybe because they didn't want to hear the gossip back there where they were from they're in the uh, the village Maybe they thought that because the angels had come to both Mary and Joseph that they were to raise the child in Bethlehem since the child was to be born in Bethlehem and that there were roots to Joseph's family. So the idea of the house could be related to since they came for the census that there was family still in Bethlehem that they were able to find and were welcomed in. Or he went ahead and rented a place there in Bethlehem. We just don't know. A little bit of a mystery. But the gifts from the wise men. They brought these gifts. And there's always some speculation about symbolism. But I'm telling you, there is some strong symbolism here. And I don't think it's speculation. Let's look first at gold. It's a gift you would give a king. Kings always receive gifts of gold. And here they bring gold to honor the royalty of Jesus, His noble birthright. Then they give Him frankincense. 
It represents Jesus' priesthood. Wow. He's called Emmanuel, God with us. And they gave him myrrh. I can't imagine what Mary as mother must have thought when she saw myrrh. See, myrrh is this incredible expensive perfume that you would put on a dead body. And here, this little young child, two, three, or four years of age, they're bringing myrrh. But it, represent, it represented the mission of Jesus, which was to die for the sins of the world. Wow. Some might think that the earthly value of these gifts might have really impressed God. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Folks, there's not a gift, a physical gift from earth that we could give God that's ever going to impress God. It's this that impresses God. So as Christmas is getting closer and closer, I ask you, as it's been said a million times, wise men still seek Him. And so I ask you, are you truly seeking Him today with all of your heart? Do you worship Him with all of your heart? Because if you do, giving Him your time, talent, and treasure, well, that's the easiest part in the world if He has your heart. Well, Father, I pray blessings on Your people. And I pray, God, that we are not so caught up with gifts that we forget the greatest gift ever given, which is Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our Champion, our Emmanuel. Lord, be with your people this season. Help us to remember that wise men still seek Him. Your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless, church. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.